the project, um, uh, IoT Ventilator, also called Ventmon, came out of the idea that that uh, we, you know, we have a problem, as we all know, with the availability of ventilators uh, and and trying to deal with this the COVID crisis. And um, a friend of mine who was at the White House with me, uh, Rob Reed, had started to try to coordinate a number of the open source maker community projects trying to uh, for the build it yourself ventilator systems. And um, while he was doing that, he realized that there was a really big need for a system that could actually test these ventilators and make sure that they weren't, you know, first of all, not doing any harm, but second, are they doing what they're supposed to do? And such was born the Ventmon project. Critical shortages of ventilators is a major concern in countries across the world. I'm Gina Clifford, and in this episode of Tech Ideas People, Jeff Mulligan takes us on a behind-the-scenes journey through a global open-source and modular approach to this challenge. Listen in to hear Jeff's story. Hi, I'm Jeff Mulligan. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for the Industrial Internet Group here at JBL. Uh, prior to JBL, I've done a few different things. Um, I was the founding chairman of the Lore Alliance, which is a radio technology for connecting the Internet of Things. And prior to that, I was the White House Presidential Innovation Fellow working for the president on um, Internet of Things and machine-to-machine uh, -machine communications and cyber-physical systems. Imagine for an instant that you are an engineer with enough knowledge to design and build a ventilator. You have a few friends who also have this knowledge. What would you do in the face of a global ventilator shortage if you knew you could help? Ventilators are an extremely complex medical device. They need to both create oxygen and air or, or air that can be pushed into the lungs, but you also want to be able to monitor the humidity, the pressure, the temperature, how often it's doing that. And then you also want to be able to control that. You need some sort of user interface where the doctor or the medical practitioner or whoever it happens to be can set those values. Um, one of the problems with a lot of the uh, ventilator systems that are being developed right now, even the maker ones, are they're trying to do all of that. And that's biting off a pretty big um, uh, chunk to try to solve. We had the idea, Rob and I had the idea that it might be better to break this into composable pieces, um, be able to break it into modular pieces that could be plugged together, each one doing their specific function, um, uh, but not necessarily reliant on the others, but as a whole could be plugged together to then build a ventilator. And this is so very important because especially uh, around the world, it's it's one thing here in the U.S. where we have access to lots of things. But if you think about in, in other parts of the world, they may be getting one piece of a ventilator somewhere and a different piece somewhere else. And so this idea of modularity is critically important, plus the fact that, you know, it may be that a piece fails and you need to replace it. And what you're replacing it with isn't what you had before. Remember when Jeff talked about the importance of ensuring that a device is working properly and not doing harm to the patient? 
Listen in as Jeff explains how he and the team are addressing that challenge. So our design was to create the, the, as I mentioned, this first part, a tester, but we realized that, that if we're testing and we're measuring all of this, if we reported that information in an open manner, then it could be used to control the ventilator. So what we did was we defined the PIRDS, which is the Public Invention a respiratory data standard. It is a way for our device to publish data in a way that um, ventilators or control systems can get the information about temperature, pressure, um, how often uh, it's pushing air, um, how quickly it's pushing air. All of that information can be sent in a standard way so that the other devices in the system can react to it. Then we also define the PIRCS, which is the Public Invention Respiratory Control Standard, and that is how devices can request a certain amount of air or a certain amount of oxygen to be mixed in. And that way, these devices can, you can think of them as Lego pieces. They may come in lots of different colors, but you can plug them together and you can still build a wall or you can still build a, a car out of it. It could well be that that even if you have a ventilator, um, it may be if, if, I mean, this standard could be used for real, you know, um, uh, high quality or, or high performance medical devices in the same way. But also just, it's, it's also a proof point that we could build other things um, uh, in the same way using this idea of um, open source design, but most importantly, open source standards and cloud-based systems. That's the other interesting piece. So the part that um, I worked on um, mostly uh, is, is, well, one, doing the selection of the underlying microcontroller and things like that. But beyond that, then programming the microcontroller and the protocols, and then the cloud services. We're using um, a microservice data collector that I I built it sitting up in the cloud, um, meaning that any of the ventilator monitors that we build uh, can be plugged in and they send data to the cloud where it can be, then be visualized, um, monitored and analyzed by other people so that doctors, healthcare professionals or ventilator professionals can look and say, yes, that ventilator is doing what it should be. That looks like the normal curve for respiration. That looks like the normal curve for taking a breath, inhalation and exhalation. So this whole concept of modularity would um, is applicable to other areas besides just the ventilator in the future. We're making these available for free to any anyone who uh, in around the world who needs, you know, who is building a ventilator um, and would like to test it. So our first goal is to make those, and, and since there's 87 projects, obviously our goal would be to make 87 ventilators, um, ventilator testers and, and, and send them around the world. We've now built eight and we've shipped those to um, uh, various countries um, in the Middle East, uh, in Asia, um, uh, Canada, and the United States, um, and uh, in Europe. So uh, folks are actually now using this to um, a project called the Million Ventilator Program. They're, they're one group that's using the, uh, the ventilator. Our goal is to continue to build these uh, for folks. And, and our only ask is that, um, uh, one, they use it, 
Two, that if they're done with it, then they pass it um, pass it along to someone else who who might be able to use it. Since it it does take us since it's since we don't have a manufacturing line except for Loria up in in Boston. Um, it does take us a little bit of time to to build each one. So I think one of the things we had touched on in our previous conversation was how much of a a, a role software is playing increasingly in hardware projects. So you say ventilator, people yeah. think hardware, but can right. you talk a little bit more about the uh, opportunities that you guys are thinking about with software and data and visualization? Yeah. When you think of a ventilator, you think of a lot of hardware pieces and, and things like that. But we found that um, yes, there is absolutely a mechanical aspect of a ventilator, you know, squeezing a bag or or a pump that's pr pressing air. But the control side of it actually is uh, can be done with a lot of just basic software. Um, yes, some embedded programming uh, because you want to be able to capture sensor data very quickly. But the visualization, once you capture it, if you can put it in a standard format and pass it across using standard protocols, the TCP IP protocols that drive the internet, those work very well for carrying this sort of information and then making it shareable by people sitting anywhere. Um, so, you know, right now, the three of us are uh, sitting in different communities or different states could all visualize the same data coming out of a ventilator monitor. And that's a that's a huge change. You don't have to bring people to, and especially right today in the days of COVID and, and non-travel, it's hugely important to be able to do that visualization, that collaboration, um, wherever anybody may be sitting. And I think that that's what we're going to find going forward, that why have to change that? Why have to get on a plane just to do things? We could collaborate remotely using the cloud. So you bring also um, a tremendous amount of knowledge to this project, and then you're learning and taking it back to your organization. So it's it's not like a one-way charity. It's actually a win-win, and it's maybe another new model for how collaboration looks in the future. I think a lot of people are learning, hey, I can be more productive at home um, uh, or as easily as productive. And if I'm not on an airplane all the time, um, I'm not jet lagged and I'm not tired and I can do more work. So if there's ways that we can collaborate using tools um, to do that, then then it you know, I think that that we can we can all be more productive, deliver things faster, um, and then using you know the whole concept of of lean and lean and agile, um, and and again, I think the other part that's coming out of this is that this is certainly one design, but it's the foundation for um, a much broader aspect of this whole industrial internet of things. I mean, we've heard about the internet of things, but most often we're hearing about how those things break. Um, uh, and and um, we're not necessarily hearing about how well it's working. And partly that's because a lot of the designs in the past have been sort of this single purpose or this, this um, closed ecosystem. 
What Rob and Lori and I have put together is an open ecosystem for this, which means that anyone can can play a part in it, which makes it more robust. And I think that, and that's one of the things that we're getting, Jabil is getting out of this, is we can apply these same techniques to the designs and the solutions that we're building for our customers to make them more robust. And so there no longer will be the front page ad of the internet of things breaking, but the front page, you know, the front page article on the Wall Street Journal about how it's saving lives or making things more efficient. Jeff's innovative work on creating a better internet of things is encouraging, but the team faces a serious supply chain issue. How can they continue building ventilators without access to a key component? Part of what in our design, one of the things is, you know, um, we wanted to use as much as we could commercial off the shelf pieces to build um, our portion of the ventilator. And that's what, you know, for the for the air drive, the thing that pushes air, whether it's squeezing a bag or whatever, people um, uh, generally are not going out and, and designing a new bag. There's Those are out there. Those are available. Um, but so for our side, we wanted to use commercial off-the-shelf airflow sensors. Well, we had a problem. As you might guess, with COVID, suddenly the supply of uh, readily available airflow sensors dried up. Um, and so the, the, the we, you know, we bought all that we could, we got eight of them um, and, uh, and, and, but that's all we could get everywhere we went, all of the suppliers, no one had those because everyone was trying to get a hold of them. So we decided let's back up and figure out um, uh, you know, looking, using a little bit of my background from the Air Force days, I, I knew about air pressure and airflow um, and Bernoulli um, equations. And we said, hey, if we can measure pressure differential um, based on constriction of air, we can measure how much air is flowing. So we went online, beauty of being, you know, the, the internet today, there were other people that were working on these same things. And so we actually found a solution where we could now take commercial off-the-shelf um, pressure sensors, put them into a 3D printed um, uh, device uh, um, that would restrict the airflow, um, and then we could measure airflow uh, uh, through that mechanism. So we, you know, um, uh, we found an, a way around the, the bottleneck of not having a commercially read, readily available um, air, airflow sensor. And the beauty of being 3D printable is that um, now we, and, and our goal through this whole process is we're publishing um, how to build the ventilator monitor so that other people could build them themselves. They can go out and buy the parts. And if they wanted to, and they have someone who can solder, they could actually put them together themselves. They don't need to wait for us. We've made the software available. All of this is available for other people to do. So they're not waiting on us. Um, but if they don't have that expertise, then we're going to build some and we're going to ship them as, as, as quick as we can. If you had to say, you know, what are some things that corporations could learn from this type of project partnership? What, what would be your, um, be your thoughts on that? Well, so 
One of the things that that is coming out of this is is taking so so from the the software world, right? We're all hearing about lean agile these days, um, uh, and and so the idea of doing things in sprints, you know, don't you know you don't try to start at the beginning and 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 uh, say okay, two years from now, uh, based on your requirements, we'll build something because by the end of those two years, the requirements have changed, technology has changed, and all of that. People hadn't been applying that to the hardware world. Uh, the, the software world has readily adapted to that, doing design sprints, doing scrums, and the rest of that. We decided um, uh, here at JBL in the uh, IIoT group, the Industrial Internet of Things group, is to try to take those same concepts and apply them to hardware so that we can build something really quickly. Um, if someone comes in and says, hey, we have this idea um, for an IoT-like device, or we'd like to um, make our device smart, quote-unquote IoT, we can literally now put together a proof of concept in um, as little, we've done it in as little as a day. Get it to them, find out if that's going to make sense. Uh, see if it's meeting their needs, and then we can make adjustments to that in the next few days, in a couple of weeks. So it's not an 18-month turnaround. It's now a couple of weeks to see whether this makes sense. Is that a completely, com what uh, term I use, commercial industrial, CIP, commercial industrial product? Heck no. But does it prove the idea? Absolutely. Can we then innovate on that? Absolutely. And then we can get to the where Jable will shine, and that's with supply chain and manufacturing capabilities to eke out the lowest cost and the strongest, uh, strongest design possible. Years and years ago, one of the founders of Sun Microsystems, Bill Joy, um, in a meeting once said, um, you know, we always have to realize that there are more smart people outside of the room than inside of the room. And so this sort of collaboration is so critical. And when you build these closed proprietary systems, you've cut off that avenue of collaboration. Using open standards and open protocols, um, you may think is antithetical to you know being able to to have you know profitability, but it's it's exactly the opposite. We get to leverage all of the brilliance um, that's outside um, JBL, utilize that to then build stronger and better products for our customers.